Welcome to Call to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific Province podcast. During the second season of Call to Action, I will be joined by my co-host, Sister Anna Marie Reha, who is currently serving on the Central Pacific Province Provincial Council. Together, we will be exploring the Shalom topic, gospel nonviolence, and just peace. Each episode, we will discuss the meaning of gospel nonviolence and just peace, along with the corporate stance, which was established by the School Sisters of Notre Dame in order to continue to pursue just peace and invite lay colleagues and friends to join them. We look forward to exploring this topic together. Thank you for joining us today. Throughout this season, I have been joined by Sister Anna Marie Reha to explore gospel nonviolence and just peace. Sister Anna Marie, thank you for being here today. You're welcome, Caitlin. It is good to be joining you again for this topic of gospel nonviolence and just peace. I have to say, I am really enjoying these wonderful conversations. Me too, and I'm learning a lot. So, if you're learning a lot, Caitlin, do you have anything specific um, that you've been thinking about or exploring about gospel nonviolence and just peace in these last couple weeks? <laughs> you know, my favorite question from you always. <laughs> yes, I recently had the opportunity to meet with two SSD at a retirement home in St. Louis and take their photos for Jubilee um, for this year. Both were a little frail, and I helped to get them where they needed to go for me to take their picture, and I even spoke with them about their photos. I even then showed them their options so they could choose what they liked. After I was done, the sister who was taking me around to this other sister's said I was so good with them. A few things came to mind when she said this. First, shouldn't everybody be? (laughs) Secondly, maybe it's a motherly thing. Being a mother maybe gave me a special ability to be gentle with, with them. Then I thought about our theme, gospel nonviolence and just peace. Maybe it is the love I have for people that shine through to the sister showing me around. Maybe she could sense it. Either way, it really made me think about our theme and how important it is to always treat people with love and respect, which I try to be an example of when my kids are not around. So Sister Edna do you have anything specific that you might be thinking of or exploring with gospel nonviolence and just peace? I, I do, but I just want to comment on your, your sharing, Caitlin. I think that's that's great because I think really that is what gospel nonviolence and just peace is all about in our everyday lives. It's treating people with love and respect. So thank you for sharing that. You know, today we have a wonderful guest with us, and I knew that was our guest, uh, Sister Ruth Mori from Japan. And so um, I've been thinking a lot about the devastation caused by the dropping of the atomic bomb on Japan. And um, about five years ago, I had the privilege of visiting our sisters in Japan. And one of the most impactful experiences was our visit to Hiroshima uh, with Sister Ruth. You know, being one of the cities where we, the United States, dropped the atomic bomb Um, And to be there was a powerful experience. And um, I don't think that I had really, that I really had the knowledge of the harsh reality, the horror, the devastation caused by the bombing. Um, One of the places we visited was the Hiroshima uh, Museum and Memorial, and it's called the Peace Memorial. You know, there are so many memorials in the United States and other places in the world, and and they're usually called war 
memorials. But you know, the Japanese chose differently. And the purpose of the Peace Memorial Park is not to memorialize, not only to memorialize the victims um, and per perpetrate the memory of nuclear horrors, but it is most importantly, it's focused on peace education and advocating for world peace. And I, that was just so impressionable for me. Wow. That sounds like that visit was very, very powerful. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to speak with our next guest, Sister Ruth Mori. Sister Ruth, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us today from across the miles in Japan. Thank you. It is good to be with you today. When I invited to reflect on today's topic, I felt that word, gospel non-violence, is too big for me, comparing my smallness in many ways. So I intended to say no to the invitation to uh, this uh, podcast. But something urged me from my heart uh, to join. And then I understood that gospel nonviolence and just peace is a simple thing in a person's everyday life. So I am here now. We are so glad that you said yes. You know, thank you for taking the risk to join us today. It, it really means a lot to us, and we are sure it will for our listeners also. I completely agree. Thank you for joining us. So, Sister Ruth, as we begin, can you share a brief background about yourself? Yes, I would be happy to. My name is Sister Ruth Mori. I'm from Kyoto, Japan. I have been at SSND for 54 years. The first 19 years of my religious life, I taught at Notre Dame High School in Kyoto and then was the director of the borders at Notre Dame Women's College for 11 years. I also served as a community leader here in Japan for uh, three terms, totaling nine years. Recently, I finished my six years ministry of the area coordinator for the associate program in Japan. Wow, we have had the opportunity to speak with two of our SSND associates here in the United States during season two. How many associates are there in Japan? We have 15 associates in Japan, including four from Okinawa. Japan is not a Christian society. Only 5% of the whole population of Japan is Christian. The Shintoism and Buddhism are deeply rooted in everyday life of Japanese people. If you a visit to Japan, you will be surprised to find so many uh, shrine, Shinto shrine, and uh, Buddhist uh, temples all over Japan. That is fascinating. We are so accustomed to living in a majority of a Christian society, we take it for granted. So what are you involved in today that keeps you busy? 
Today, I work on two committees of a Japanese extended meeting. One is the formation committee, and another is vocation work. And with some priests and sisters in other orders, uh, I do many kinds of work, such as the preparation for the sacrament to uh, open the first communion and uh, confirmation, catechism classes, etc. That must keep you pretty busy. Sister Ruth, one of the reasons we wanted to invite you and felt that it would be important to have you on this podcast is because of your lived experiences. Several years ago, on the anniversary of the dropping of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you wrote a reflection that really touched me. I know that this is a delicate topic for you, but would you be willing to share with us a bit of your story and how you were impacted by the atomic bombing of Hiroshima? Yes, it is a hard story to tell, but I know it is very important. My family moved to Hiroshima from Tokyo in uh, March of 1945. In April, my brother and I went to live with our grandparents at the village three hours far from Hiroshima to avoid the influences of the war. So, so we were safe on August 6th, but my other family members are awfully affected. My parents were injured by the blast and radioactive holdout. My second young, youngest sister, Atsuko, she was four years old, was burned over half her body. My oldest sister, Masako, was killed by the blast. She was 13 years old. Masako and almost all high school students in Hiroshima are working outdoor on the city government project on that morning when the bomb exploded. We never know how and where Masako died. Thank you for sharing. I am so sorry for your loss and for the loss of the many lives there. Our family suffered in many ways, but no one complained. As the weeks, months, and years passed, we just tried to live as well as possible. Thank you, Sister Ruth, for willing, being willing to share what happened to your family. Um, I think it's important for our listeners to hear your story. Um, we, too, here in the United States, we need to remember and not forget the horrors that happened on that day, and not just that day, the weeks and months and years afterwards, by the end of 1945, the bombing had killed an estimated 140,000 people in Hiroshima and, and further another 74,000 in Nagasaki. 
And in the years that followed, many of the survivors uh, faced leukemia, cancer, and other terrible side effects from the radiation. So hearing your story and knowing those figures, and it makes it real. So thank you for sharing. How very heartbreaking. I do agree it is necessary to hear. It's so hard to believe so many died from one bomb. We usually only think of those killed in the initial bombing and don't take into consideration all of those who died later on from radiation exposure. So, Sister Ruth, is there any hope that has come from this horrific disaster? Thinking of Hiroshima, my thought always goes to my youngest sister, Tayoko. She was born in December of 1945, four months after the van was dropped in Hiroshima. As uh, we lost uh, our mother, when she was four years old. As she is the second generation of atomic burn victims, Kayoko has been deeply involved in the uh, movement to burn atomic and hydrogen burns. In spite of her health problem, she is still active as one of leaders in Chiba prefecture regions. I admire her and support her spiritually. I'm glad to see her daughter and son helping her in her work. Uh, when I had the opportunity to visit Hiroshima with you, Sister Ruth, I, I was touched by the Ibakusha, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the survivors of the bombing and um, you talking about your sister, it reminds me of their tireless efforts to eliminate nuclear weapons. Um, I found their stories to be of hope and determination. Um, my visit with you, it, as I say, continues to touch me deeply. And, and I have to say it's one of the reasons that I have been committed to our province corporate stance on gospel nonviolence and just peace because of that, that trip and um, that opportunity that I had in Japan. Yes, and you can understand our commitment in Japan to ban nuclear weapons and seek a nuclear weapon-free future for the world. Right. Unfortunately, the modern nuclear arsenals would be even more devastating today if they were used. The threat of a nuclear war is terrifying. As you talk about your family, I couldn't help but think of my own four little girls, and I would never want them to experience a nuclear war. It is a very scary thing. Yes. I think that nowadays, many people, including me, are feeling that it is difficult or even scary to live in this world where there is so much loss due to the corona pandemic. To rapid changing by advancing technologies, many kinds of war and people's suffering. I believe gospel, nonviolence and just peace is a longing from a person's soul and living it out uh, should start personality 
and should spread gradually among people like gentle water. I like that image, um, Ruth, of gentle water, you know, and that image of a gentle river that carries the message of peace. Um, I'm reminded that on the anniversary each year, water lanterns are lit and placed on the river in Hiroshima. Yes, lanterns with faint lights are floated on the Motoyasu River as symbols of prayers for the souls of victims of the atomic bombing and also a prayer for lasting world peace. That is a beautiful image. I would love to see that one day. So, Sister Ruth, how do you find yourself living out gospel nonviolence and just peace today? I reflected on my life, and I found that I started to live out gospel nonviolence and just peace when I was very young. One way to continue that is through writing. This past spring, I published the book of my essays titled What a Person Can Give a Person, the Best Gift, Gift from a Loving God. With the support of our leaders and sisters and so many friends, I could publish this book. This book is a collection of 190 reflections written since 29 and posted to the Japanese website of our Notre Dame homepage. It is the sharing of my encounter with Ten Chi Jin in Japanese. In English, it is God, Earth, persons in my everyday life. I am so glad that you had an opportunity to publish those reflections. And, and Sister Ruth, would you be willing to read one of your reflections? Yes, of course. This one is called Eye Contact. I was at the lounge of the church and noticed a man holding a baby very comfortably. Admiring him, I said to him, you are very good at holding baby. He answered me, as a pediatrician, I do, but the baby doesn't make eye contact with me, as she doesn't believe me yet. I remembered an event when I was in an elevator a baby in the carriage came in. Unexpectedly, our eyes met, and the baby smiled charmingly like a flower blooming. My heart was filled with joy, like that I got a surprising gift. Once I had misunderstanding with an American sister in the community. She came to my room and asked me the reason. After she listened to me, she said that she didn't mean that, but she would accept it, and gave me a big hug. She said to me, look at my eyes, 
look at my eyes when my still reluctant eyes met her eyes. We could not help laughing, and the frog in my heart completely cleared. I think that any problem must be solved by our look at the master's eyes. I love that reflection. Thank you for sharing a bit about your book. Many people, over 500 people, in not only Kyoto and the land, but in Tokyo, Hokkaido, Kyushu, Shikoku, already have read this book. And everybody told me that reading this book made them tender-hearted. This is my purpose to publish this book. One more purpose. It is support a NGO shelter for women and children in Kyoto Prefecture by sending that donation from the book. Thanks to God and many people, it has been realized. This is my way of living out gospel non-violence and just peace. And a wonderful way to do that, Sister Ruth. Um, I love the invitation to be tender-hearted. I, I do believe that God is very tender-hearted, and, and it sounds like your stories helped others to be tender-hearted. Um, your story of eye contact, it reminded me of Caitlin's story at the beginning of the podcast of being loving and respectful and kind. And it feels like you are integrating gospel nonviolence daily into your life. And that is one of the commitments in our SSD corporate stance. Find those little ways in which we can do that. Not only that, but it does sound like you are cultivating your own inner peace, which is very important. The word of St. Paul in Act 1728 had been I created my inner peace and strength. He says that it is in him that we live and move and exist. I am sure that God himself is working non-violence and peace with us. Thank you for those words from St. Paul. Sister Ruth, um, as I've been reflecting on my visit uh, to Japan, uh, there was another section of the Peace Memorial Park that uh, that uh, touched me deeply, and that was the Children's Park. And in the middle of the park is a monument um, ded dedicated uh, to Sakako Saki. And in this monument, she's standing on top of a three-legged dome pedestal, at, and it's a bronze figure of a girl holding a gold-colored paper crane. And the stone underneath the pedestal is inscribed, this is our cry, this is our prayer for building peace in this world. Can you share uh, with us a little bit of her story? Yes. When Sadako was only two years old, she was exposed to radiation from the atomic burn stopped on Hiroshima in Japan. As she grew up, she developed leukemia, suffering from 
the deadly disease she learned at the ancient tradition about the 1,000 paper grains. Inspired to follow the legend, Sadako folded paper grain in her hospital bed, praying for world peace. Sadako died when she was only 12, before she could finish 1,000 grains. It's a tribute to Sadako's life and selfless wishes. Her classmate folded the remaining grains, and Sadako Sasaki was buried with the full 1,000 grains. The story stands as an inspiration to all and a testament to the continued power of the paper cranes as a compelling symbol for hope, love, honor, and peace. What a powerful symbol and uh, an uh, important reminder for us today. There is so much need for education, reflection, prayer, and, and other actions to foster a culture of peace. And so we need to continue promoting peace building Thank you, Sister Ruth, uh, for the everyday ways in which you do that. Um, you are an inspiration for us all. Thank you so much, Sister Ruth, for sharing with us today. After listening to you, I definitely want to share with my daughters the story of Sadako and the Thousand Cranes, and it explains more why a paper crane is on the prayer card for the Peacemaker's Prayer. Right, and you can find that on our website, The Peacemaker's Prayer. And Sister Ruth, at the end of each of our episodes, we have shared that prayer with our audience and for the world. And would you please lead us in that prayer today? Love to. Let us pray. Oh, creative spirit of God, come awaken our spirit to the call to be a dozen of peace. Let us dream again. Let us hope again. Let us discover again. Courage, non-violence, compassion. Let us discover again ways to help the oppressed, the suffering, ways to create peace non-violently, O creative spirit of God. Strengthen our faith. Fill us with compassionate love. Make us true a dozen of peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Ruth, for being with us today and sharing your quiet wisdom and deep, deep hope. It has been a pleasure to speak to you, Kathleen and Sister Anna Marie. Thank you, Sister Ruth. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the School Sisters of Notre Dame, Central Pacific Province, visit our website at www.ssndcp.org. I hope you join us for our next conversation airing every other Wednesday. You can subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts or listen on Spotify. Thank you for your support and have a wonderful day.